Hi hello and welcome to Saturday Architecture. Please do subscribe and share your feedback on all the episodes that you hear. Your feedback is very important to us. Have fun listening to this podcast. This is Kumaran your host. Hi all welcome to another episode of Saturday Architecture a tricky challenge that we faced this week was a, a scenario in which we have developed a mobile app and it has a notification feature so when the application starts it kind of register itself with the service and then the apple service uh, triggers something in the phone and that sets off a trigger of events and uh, it crashes the app now the classical approach that we take is kind of put it in a debug mode in a staging environment to check what has happened now here unlike your conventional thing where you everything in the ecosystem is in your control in this case we have no control over what the apple framework infrastructure does it, it does what it does I don't know what it is doing, how it is doing. Now, when we put it into a debug build, it works perfectly fine. This is one of the biggest nightmares of real-time developers or firmware and system developers, right? Things will work very well in debug mode. The moment you switch to device drivers, it will crash. Like I remember my days of device drivers and firmware development, where debug will work perfectly fine and release mode will go and that usually used to happen because there is a overrun of memory when you are in debug mode there is a extra buffer allocated for debugging and uh, the system is generally little lenient with uh, in a debug mode so i kind of hit that thing in a normal application uh, scenario anyway the good news is that problem is not there anymore we kind of uh, in risk we say you know avoid mitigate <laughs> or uh, let it go so here we did avoid and okay so we kind of removed the scenario in which it had to run and kind of moved it to another logical place where that same thing could work but that actually triggered this thought process like these are situations which we will run into where in production specific issues are happening and uh, it makes us clueless and it doesn't work in the staging environment or in the dev environment how do we go about handling this uh the joke which i get reminded of is uh there's a heart surgeon who takes his ferrari for servicing and then uh the mechanic as he's working on the car he asks him what do you do he says uh, heart surgeon i work on it. then he says oh okay looks like you do what i do i do something to the heart of the car which is the engine you do the heart of the human body so looks like we are in the same profession uh, then the doctor smiles and says um pretty much the same there's just one difference um you just have to fix the car when it is running if you can do that without switching off the car then yeah both of us are same <laughs> so, so it's like 
<coughs> this is that kind of a thing, right? You have to do an operation in production. You cannot bring offline systems. So, Deepak, have you had experiences like this? So, <coughs> so, so they, they are. Uh, means if you run any application in production these these kinds of issues you will find quite a bit means it's, it's it's not uncommon to see see such things where uh, uh, where things work perfectly fine in in the in the laptop of the developer or the test environment and finally when it goes to production things don't exactly behave the same way so so i have i have lo lots of examples where the application or the the core system itself wasn't at fault it is the external systems where where you have no control over example which you just said right so i'll, I'll give you one example of uh, where solution to one problem became problem for the other system so there was one uh, service which was uh, uh, which was being uh, tested and it was deployed uh, but uh, and after some troubleshooting, they decided that this has to be shut down, and, and this this should no longer be uh, running. The service should no longer be running. But what they figured out is there was no way to shut down the service. Every time they shut it down, it came back up. Every time they shut down, it came back up. And the no amount of troubleshooting within the service could figure out why this service keeps starting by itself. There is no reason for it to to start. It was what on a server, server right. is it? No, no, no. It's, it's so apparently the service used to crash earlier, right? Okay. So, so somebody actually wrote an automation that whenever uh, it crashes, you bring it up. Okay. So, 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 so this is like one piece of automation interfering with the with the intended behavior, right? So. So that's why uh, whenever we talk about automation and 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 uh, fixing things, I tend to say that you don't treat automation like uh, a, a retrofit thing. You have to treat automation at the same 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 level as you treat your application code, because now this is part of your how your application behaves. So so this is one example. There's there's there is. Uh, Another similar example of uh, so this is from the networking uh, and infrastructure kind of a field where we had this uh, uh, internet connectivity uh, of using a VPN, right? So so this VPN was as part of the front end to the uh, to the uh, coming in and out of the um, enterprise network, right? And so we had a VPN device at the other end and, and people used, used to be able to connect to that VPN. But after every some, some duration, it used to just, just disconnect and you have to reconnect. Right? And if somebody is doing something important, they will just lose connectivity and uh, general cause of nuisance. Right? And, and we troubleshooted like endlessly and they did not figure out. This is then, then when we started looking at it, it says, let us look at the time when it exactly happens, right? So we started logging exactly when this connection actually fails. So what we figured out was there is an exact 
so it was like to the microsecond it was happening that's this is this cannot be a fault this is some sort of intended behavior which this application uh, uh, this router seems to behave this way right? okay and, and then what we figured out was so the reason was because the cisco device which was there it does it, there is a default behavior of the device that after that x amount of time the the arp the the address resolution protocol for the ip address it has to reset it oh okay right so exactly at that time because that is a timer inside the router which it will lo look at that and once it's there it just wipe out all the uh, the arp of the ip address and so it will no longer uh, allow you to connect because now you have to re-register the arp so you if you restart everything <coughs> then it starts again because now the arp will register again so that's when we figured out okay so there is a override of that behavior which says okay do not forget this arp address because this is a fixed thing please let it run don't don't <laughs> re, re uh, uh, don't reassign this uh, uh, piece of memory so that you you have uh, access to it so this is where unintended external external things can cause your your uh, application your system to behave differently so there is no actually magic formula which which can avoid doing it some of the things which actually i have seen a uh, lot of product teams look at you see when you you have a product in in live in production what they look at is how can they have real time telemetry available right so where specifically where uh, the critical functions of the uh, of the application for example the start of of the application the 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 initialization of the application where you know things can go wrong they produce more telemetry than the rest of the application right so they are logging it continuously so you, if if something like that happens they are able to at least figure out that this is the step where it is going and and that is actually increasingly becoming the uh, standard across uh, all critical applications where although it entails collecting lot of data hmm. and you need to have some automated systems where you can actually run queries on data and then and report when anything uh, uh, abnormal happens so that, that that is that is some of the ways where where i have seen uh, uh, product teams try to solve such problems where unknown behavior happens so it's it's basically is in collecting lot of data and, and similar things happen when you do uh, stuff around security right because security you don't know how the hacker is going to behave and then what they are going to do to your application or to your system right so what you are looking for is abnormalities right how do you how do you look at uh, things which are which are not expected behaviors right and some of this is this is also places where things like machine learning and uh, because it's very difficult to collect so much data manually analyze it and then understand what is abnormal behavior you have to use some sort of uh, machine way to find out what is a normal and what is abnormal mm. with this huge amount of data it is it's it's this it is very difficult if not impossible to to i remember during my uh, real time automation days i had a very interesting case i think it's probably 3 4 months into my 
first working career we had developed a industrial automation system which will basically do a test okay so the test will go something like it will uh, they put the sample into their device and then they increase the pressure at some point in time the sample will burst okay so how it works is and um, there is a sensor which senses the pressure so there will be a increase in pressure and suddenly the pressure will drop okay when the pressure drops suddenly that means that the system has burst okay and uh, how do you even start that something has started happening is again there is a small spike so initially there is a small spike and then it will go all the way up and then it will burst and then it will come down now when we develop this application in the lab and in our office it will work pretty well now we take this device and go put it in the factory full this was in a proper factory manufacturing facility so but then this equipment was in the r&d lab and uh, we'll go install it uh, they'll start testing we'll sit with them we'll say everything is going good we'll come back to our office it takes around 1 hour to come by bike we'll come back to the office then they'll say we got three bad samples it is then i don't know what to do <laughs> okay so then we'll say oh, okay there might be something wrong with the algorithm we start handling error condition in software such that we adjust that cut off levels right so where it will trigger readjust the lenses calibration okay, now the calibration is good yeah correct calibration this is yeah. yeah we have calibrated it well okay seems good okay so let's go back so look at the data samples and then calibrate it put it sit there working 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 oh okay very good come back to office <laughs> sir not working <laughs> this went on for close to 2 weeks okay then the hardware team said you know looks like some noise data is coming in okay so then we started doing noise removal okay luckily it helped me learn fourier transforms um and what is the use of that um so interestingly fourier transforms is the way in which you can convert something which is happening in a time domain into a frequency domain so what happens is like let's say uh to explain this easily right fourier transform one of my friends is so basically you're converting x axis to y axis <laughs> in in some in a, in a very crude way you know that's absolutely right that's absolutely right so it's something like for example um let's say there is a bus which leaves at uh 5 5 5 5 10 5 15 like that so if i kind of plot what all times it left you will actually mark it as 555 like that now when you convert it using a fourier transform it will say every 5 minutes so it becomes one data point right you just have frequency it will just say one data point every 5 minutes beginning at 5 at every 5 minutes this will happen so there's another event that happens at every 10 minutes that will come there so what were like huge amount of data now just can gets transformed to just two okay so uh, so that's way in which so then what happens is these additional stuff will come out as additional dots and you can kind of remove the dots so in real time we have to do a fourier transforms and did that 
then we go ahead and put it one week it seems to be fine after a week again problem then we did a hard then they said you know we have to do noise filtration at a hardware so the hardware team worked hard added filters in our two months later is still in the same problem okay now the problem with this is this practical problem is it happens once in a while okay but this is a quality test the manufacturing facility uses yeah, you cannot you cannot have yeah. unreliable <laughs> so it cannot be so, so what they do is a sampling test only now yeah. if the sampling test <clears throat> itself is so out of a batch of 100 you pick 10 and in the 10 to is an error then there is a multiplication factor of that sample so out of 1000 right. samples i am taking 10 which means if i have one error it will get multiplied by 100 again yes yes so it's really absolutely unacceptable to have a even a error condition as, as a mechanical engineer i can appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> okay so so it's not like चलो 10% ऑफ द एरर्स को इग्नोर कर देते हैं नो यू कैन नॉट डू दैट यू कैन नॉट यू कैन नॉट सो देन इवेंचुअली आई वाज सिटिंग वन डे रियली फ्रस्ट्रेटेड एंड देन आई वाज सिटिंग इन द लैब एंड देन वी वर ट्राइंग टू डू दिस एम एंड देन आई एम जस्ट लुकिंग एट इट एंड देन देयर इज आवर डिवाइस हियर देयर इज अ स्मॉल केबल व्हिच इज रनिंग फ्रॉम देयर टू आवर कंप्यूटर व्हिच इज लाइक सम प्रोबली सम 2 फीट अवे एंड इट्स that device is all run in 5 volts plus or minus 5 that's how it works so it's very the signal run, voltage voltage yeah that's all you need to detect iot kind of things right so mm-hmm. today's iot there it was simple sensors okay usiko mm-hmm. we call it with a new name now <laughs> hey, now everything is a sensor <laughs> <laughs> so there was one big black pipe there So I asked him, "What is this pipe doing? It sounds very odd." Okay, so I said, "What is this pipe doing in this lab?" He said, "No, no, no. That is a pipe which is going to the factory." Oh, okay. What is there in the pipe? He says, "No, those are uh, power lines. Okay. Power lines for what?" So those power lines were going to some huge motors. When I say huge, <laughs> they are really huge. Imagine a motor which turns uh, a bucket the size of the diameter will be like 10 meters mm-hmm. okay so it's something which rotates that turbine kind of a thing big mm-hmm. huge it is okay. then it struck me the problem was when they started those so those, those spikes yeah it will stop and stop right so when it starts there'll be a spike now that thing is carrying 500 volts that a spike there induces a spike in this so the debugging was this took that wire lifted it 6 feet up and cello taped it problem solved <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> okay so that's all problem solved after that nothing happened after that okay now this was fluke Uh, I, I actually it's it's a mixture of common sense fluke all no, things see, get together <clears throat> I I wouldn't say this is fluke because this is this is this is what problem solving is all about I I, I don't consider such things as, as fluke because 
you were intentionally trying to solve the problem it's not like you went there and randomly you figured out that there is a there's a power line which runs through it right you are looking for that problem it is not so i would i wouldn't classify this as as a fluke because there's an intention behind solving the problem and you're looking for you are looking for the clues you are looking for the uh, environment where where errors could come from so i won't say this is a fluke because i think you, you won't find it unless you look for it actually you probably gave a clue to solving this issue and i think um it kind of leads back to one of the core tenets of the hypoha framework which is intention orientation right so we keep harping on that right i think that's one of the key tenets of the hypoha framework uh if you look at classical uh frameworks which exist like let's say it's six sigma or idel or iso they all talk about how to increase the quality of a product or a service that is being done okay so they say this is a service define it make sure it has got good quality the moment you define a service you're also defining the output of that which means right. you have straight jacketed the solution already you can't go beyond what is expected there out of that service okay and the output is a clearly mentioned deliverable and an action an action and a result very well defined now the moment you switch to an intention oriented world then the intention of the service makes all the difference so actually i take back yeah it's not luck it's actually the intention orientation so what is the intention of the service right or what is the intention of the product that is i would go ahead and make that i don't see any other thing which captures that intention yeah yeah is it uh, different different uh, uh, frameworks try to mention this intention in different ways okay. right so uh, some of it some of them measure intention by customer satisfaction what does the customer actually want from this service how will you how, how is the customer going to be satisfied if you do something right so you so if you start looking at the service from the customer's point of view it, in a different way the intention comes in although your service may not be intended to satisfy that specific uh, requirement but when you start looking at it from the customer's perspective you start looking at why does this service exist right what is what are the people trying to do with this service why do they come back to this or why do they don't come back to this i'm actually curious uh, have you really seen that happening because like why i'm asking that question is like <laughs> let's say it's about maintaining uh, data quality right now in that case we are only maintaining the customer or the customer in this case happens to be the it guys and not the actual end users <clears throat> so the customer definition itself in that case is like this is going to be the people who are in the, the uh, customers or the app owners yes they become the customer right but for them as long as the application is up and running it is it's okay no that, that, that that's what that's what the mm. application up and running may not be the only thing right because if the application is running and it is not doing what it was intended to do right <clears throat> if the if the purpose of the application is to produce a result right it may be up but if it is giving uh, erroneous result or uh, it is is giving some random things application is running 
but the intention of the application to produce that result is not satisfied how so how do you so your if you are if you are building that application it is your job as a as an architect as a developer to make sure that whatever that the deliverable of that application is being actually delivered and you monitor that instead of seeing that whether the application is running or not i completely agree with you deepak but the thing which i have seen is right or the bias that sets in is somebody is providing a network service or a file mm. file service right they are just telling you know to the app owner i am giving you 9.9 away i availability of this my uh, if it's let's say a nas service is there my iops is this this is what i'm signing up for that data is making an unhappy customer is not my problem actually if you, if you look at it purely from the the component service perspective right that that is a reasonable thing for that component provider to do see if i'm a, if i'm a component of the entire chain network is just one component right i just own one part of it i have no control over what everybody else does with with their stuff but i can control that the network is stable i have uh, uh, dual homing i have all these uh, backup features available so i can guarantee that if a packet comes into my component it will leave with 99.99% uh, availability right i will it will not get lost right yeah that is that is the component level stuff i can guarantee right i can say okay i've built my system it will deliver this but the application owner what that application owner the person who is using that component in their system they have to think about whether this is acceptable to them or not whether this is helping their uh, outcome or not right maybe they need another nine right say okay i cannot do with the three nines i need four nines right whatever they, that may be their the uh, or they can go back and say okay i know this component has this limitations they cannot give me four nines they give me, can give me only three nines how can i handle this in my application right this is a very actually a very common scenario which i have seen with when applications move from their on prem environment to the cloud right okay. very common scenario it suddenly says oh when this thing was running in my own data center i had full control i could i could monitor this i could monitor that i could tell you what exactly is wrong now in the cloud i don't know what is happening uh, sql server is somewhere in this server this location my web server is some other location i cannot guarantee what is happening right <coughs> neither aws not azure is confirming where the packet is getting lost right so so th that is where you have to the from the architecture perspective they have to understand that how the things have changed the, the the components in the clouds do not behave the same way as they used to do in your on prem network right where you can literally you could guarantee four nines five nines uh, uh, availability in the cloud when systems because they are what they are doing is they are they are scaling the system out and they are sharing that whole infrastructure with multiple customers right so and it is very likely that some of those things will cause delays they they may be they may not behave the same way as your own on premises dedicated network will work for you right and then that is where when you start building these retries and other things into your uh, application so that you understand that underlying infrastructure behaves differently you need to be able to see that 
and don't assume that the, the way it used to work in the uh, so these are all external factors in your application so your application has not changed but the underlying infrastructure has changed the way it behaves is changed so you have to modify your application to work with those limitations i i agree but what i see is when people work at that level like let's say there is an infrastructure guy providing it okay so he is stuck into that that you know i have to give 0.99 more okay for that i have to upgrade my hardware and that's going to take so much of time and money and i'm working on that right and then that drags on for years together and the application person will say we are waiting for the infrastructure to come up because the infrastructure is there this is the best that we can do okay and they kind of get stuck in that place because they've got fixated on 0.99 ko i have to make it 0.999 okay both mm-hmm. of them are stuck there this person is stuck waiting for the infrastructure to be but if they switch to intention orientation then the conversation between both of them changes so the network person kind of steps beyond his boundary that my job is to give 0.99 to 999 so in his mind it's a mindset thing the infra guy is thinking what the app guy says i have to give it to him if he says give me 0.999 my job is to give 0.99 only yeah okay but he doesn't say what is the intention he doesn't doesn't ask the question why do you want 0.999 what are you trying to solve with that they don't that's very rarely happens is what i have seen and that is probably true that is probably true because because stepping outside your boundary to understand some other domains problem uh it requires the expansion of the mind which is not available <laughs> all the time very easy yeah the, the one is one is you the uh it requires knowledge which which requires uh, uh some space in your brain which which may be occupied with what you need to deliver right so th- that's why i believe it's difficult to achieve it is desirable i would say it is desirable actually uh, it's kind of interesting when you just said that right there's no bandwidth it actually leads to another fractal in hypoha which is curiosity right become curious of why is that person even asking for 999 now if you look at it right uh now let's say they go into the app okay the irony is even the app, app developer is not really thinking like that the app developer is telling that you know i need to service 50 requests per second because the business asked me mhm but they right. don't go back and ask why do you need 50 yeah what is the purpose of why do you need to handle 50 requests now the business will say you know we are doing holiday shipping 100 people will come we have to meet them that's it okay so they they are like i have seen that there are 100 customers walking in all of them will give a submit button and all of them have to be serviced i cannot turn away customers okay right. so each of them gets stuck in that action oriented thing uh, it's kind of um, interesting to me that i didn't realize that that production issue actually translates to in kind of intention orientation and curiosity at the end of the day so probably in this case if you if i had got stuck that i have to fix it through electronics or hardware and i'm just thinking how can i make it better how can i make it better something beyond this right like moving that cable would have never occurred to me 
you will be surprised actually how many times that happens right so i am sure this has happened to you n number of times during your entire career you have managed so many applications deployed developed so many things right i am sure this has happened more than once yeah right so it i believe if you so this this comes back to your intention orientation so if if your intention is to solve the problem some of these things happen some of you don't don't have to force it also means i don't think you uh, intended to force yourself to think that way no i did not right? correct yeah you, you can't actually you can't because you yeah, don't know how you to can't force, force yourself. yourself to do something it's just that your intention was to let me find out everything possible right so when you go into that everything possible mode then you start looking outside your domain you start start looking at outside the box uh thinking right so and this is what i've seen happen with all troubleshooting uh jobs this good is not, troubleshooters yeah yeah i think the majority of the population gets stuck within the box yes that that's why that's why the expertise in troubleshooting is a rare expertise right i think probably that's so when when we started you were telling it's more a problem solving thing than actually a production issue or a asynchronous uh, issue exactly exactly so so this 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 troubleshooting uh, ability is 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 uh, is rare and it is highly valued right you, you must have heard this joke right so some some guy had a problem with his big ship with his engine and then they called him and says he put one hammer and it struck one place and the whole thing started working and he said i uh, gave him a some a million dollar bill he says uh, you just came and struck one hammer he says that was 1 dollar for that but what are 999 thousand is is all because of knowing where to hit the hammer right so that is where the troubleshooting skill uh, i would say that requires and and, and what we are trying to deconstruct here is how does that happen right and if people who are trying to it's it's not like any with what you also preach as part of your framework is it is possible to develop any skill right and and developing troubleshooting skill requires such uh, opening up of your mind and making sure that you think about all the possible things and you start looking at it as a, as an intention rather than uh, focusing on that small piece of information which you which you don't have or have i think it's uh, actually i was not that clear but this conversation has made it like uh, when i was looking at it how do we handle it from a technical perspective right but then that is just one i would actually say it's a lesser uh, weightage factor i think the uh, bigger factors are one is around the intention by which that scenario why it exists right and what is the uh, service that we are trying to provide and uh, getting that intention very clear when you hit a scenario like this and you're clueless first take a step back and probably define this is the intention of me wanting to do it and then become curious about what is stopping me from meeting the intention yeah yeah and probably i think that's one that's how we actually handled this issue also that you said you know what i need to kind of notify my customers 
Okay. Yeah. So why not if I I don't have to do it in the first thirty seconds? I can do it after one minute also because the end user does a log in the home page loads. Till then they don't need notification. They can get notification even after a minute. It's all right. Nothing really comes yeah, crashing not, down. If, the, if it is not time sensitive in that sense, means yeah. So it, it is urgent. not. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's not that within one minute he has to be notified. Otherwise, hell will come crashing loose. No, it's okay. So mm-hmm. after two minutes also, you they could do that. Now maybe it's not a perfect technical solution to why it's happening, but it achieves the intention or the intention for the customer. So I I think. um that's a good point to kind of uh, summarize you know like uh, two things came out one is of course add more telemetry so that anything coming into your application we have data for it so it kind of gives us some clues right so all <coughs> input and output points we have some so i am building my application so i know how external control enters into it and what goes out so if i can have telemetry at those points then i know what's coming in and going out okay so probably that needs to be kind of built in from a architecture perspective and i guess when you do that you have no clue why you are doing it but it's just that you need that probably it's a it's probably a technical representation of curiosity right i'm curious about what is coming into my application and i'm curious about what's going in you're converting that curiosity into a code call it telemetry yes and then you have an intention orientation which says what's the overall thing why this service is there for the end customer and then when you hit an issue you take that you apply your curiosity to all the data that is by looking at the data and keep the intention in mind and probably that will help you figure out some ways out of this uh, deadlock situation that you uh, run into i think it's a tough and, problem and in some in some ways actually all programmers do this in their code right so when they are debugging something right they but the the thing is that they, they don't they don't take it outside their domain that is what that is what i uh, uh, you be i i think you're being very liberal and generous um, <laughs> i mean like when when a thing doesn't work right i have found that majority of the programmers just do brute force debug 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 i it's it's only people who have done hardcore system programming or firmware even have a habit of logging and looking at logs i think that thing of you know let me log and check right let me go to the logs and verify that culture is actually kind of dropped down because the kind of programming that we are doing nowadays uh uh is pretty low i think that that but i think that that leads to curiosity let me be curious about what's happening before i jump in and otherwise what happens is uh one random solution go implement check what happens then another solution then tweak that keep on changing the code to see if it works <laughs> hit and trial hit and trial yeah hit and try kind of thing that they get into but i think it's a good discussion i think uh it boils down to two things right curiosity and intention and then have a technical 
uh, implementation of these concepts. I don't know how you. I don't think no. You cannot implement an intention, but you can define it, because yeah. by nature, if you can define an intention in black and white, then it becomes an action, and the yes. result. So an intention will be at that vague level, and probably for the curiosity part, of course, that you can kind of do it into logs or telemetry, and the challenge, of course, is the moment you say telemetry, you have to do it such that it doesn't. interfere with your performance and uh, actually i'm just seeing something interestingly telemetry has multiple layers of types one is telemetry at a business layer which says yes profits revenue new users average session and then there is uh, telemetrics at application layer which is about <clears throat> response times transactions and then telemetrics at a infrastructure layer io ram usage and then there is telemetrics at the client layer errors on the web network pipeline kind of a thing and then so telemetrics term for it now there is a new term for it they call it observability oh is it okay yes. for, they for call it observability so how do you observe something is <laughs> you get data about it so 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 the if you want to build so, so the intention of telemetry is now uh, ca- called as uh, do you have observability in your system right uh, so can we observe everything possible uh, what is happening inside the application so so that's that's a new <clears throat> sort of the from the devops world this has come it's called observability so it, okay and then there is supposed to be a queue uh, deployment uh, telemetry you, you know where the word telemetry comes from right uh huh no so the so telemetry comes from this uh, uh, whole rocket science oh okay okay right because most of the time is when the whole development starts all they are interested in to find out why something failed and they want to collect data and remotely connect collect data that is that is what is called telemetry so you remotely oh, collect data telemetry. about what is okay, happening okay. inside the rocket <clears throat> ah. so that's a, that's the history behind telemetry oh okay okay got it i think that mars finder story is the best uh, <clears throat> story as far as this whatever scenario that we are talking about right it keep resetting sometime long time back and they had to <clears throat> fix that great i think that is a good discussion and i think uh, it's like one of our usual calls right you stand up with somewhere and then you end up with something else this is, this is interesting actually uh, uh, coding error which resulted in a huge failure kind of a thing okay. which probably you might have this you know the hubble telescope mm-hmm. which is yeah. orbiting uh, yes. outside i i think it probably i don't know whether it is decommissioned or not but so when they launched it so the curvature of that telescope mhm that was that was done using a computer program and there was a error in that okay so the curvature was off by few millimeters and so so once they opened that whole telescope uh, to start measurement everything was out of focus hmm okay so they had to send an astronaut to go and fix the hubble telescope through the international space station the i think the shuttle there was one of the shuttle missions actually was to you can search this one uh, the the one of the shuttle missions was to go and fix that error okay 
<coughs> so the the fixing of the error was very simple. It says you move the 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 because the focus changed, so you have to move physically. You have to move something to, okay. to fix the focus. Okay. Right. So, so this is another. So this thing is a coding error. Coding error and it's a real time production issue kind of a thing, right? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Hard to fix it. Interesting. And coding errors have resulted in so many, so many. Means people say program cannot cause life and death issues. This is these are all huge billions of dollars of expense issues. Super. Okay, great. Uh, thanks, Deepak. That was a great discussion, and uh, uh, hope to catch all of you again in the weeks to come. Thanks for joining. Thank you.